Hi, I'm Mitch Casper, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 84. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchelenko. Well, Daryl, um, another solid week, three wins and a loss, and uh, kind of like the rest of the year, some good, some bad, some ugly. Uh, we find funny ways to win, games we probably shouldn't win, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it was... It's kind of been this team's mo all year, but you can't uh, you can't scoff at the bottom line, can you? Well, I guess that's why you have to 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 now look at this team as as different than it was last year, and that it's not going to be like it was last year, and and embrace uh, embrace the fact that they are going to win and win ugly. Uh, they could lose ugly, but the the mo for this team is do not. Uh, underestimate their ability to come back and win win hockey games, and and uh, they find a way, and and that's I think that's the way we got to look at it going forward, and and they need some help, uh, you know, you know, hopefully we'll get some help in the through the trade deadline, but uh, I think that's the way we got to look at this team is uh, they're never out of anything, and they find a way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You're right. That's that's how it's been all year. It's like you can't put your finger on it. And I and I for, and for the most part, I kind of get it. I look at this team right now as uh, it's a work in progress. Every every team, every hockey team is a work in progress. You're always trying to get better, right? But once again, we forget that this team is super super young. A lot of new guys being uh, introduced into the lineup, and Paul Maurice and and the, and the coaching staff, I think. Is kind of like these. A lot of these guys are auditioning for the playoffs because what I love about our fan base is it's like oh, well, we want to acquire this guy and we want to acquire that guy, and that's all fine and dandy. So if they bring a couple pieces in at the deadline, they're maybe you know whether they're whether it's a hockey trade or if it's a rental, uh, we, everybody has their wish list and guys going, Oh, we want Bassard or we want Simmons or we'd love to have Duchesne. Got to remember, guys, when these guys come in, somebody's going out, <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, it's like uh, every every everybody can't play. So uh, like Scott Bielek put Scott Bielek put a poll out. I think it was yesterday, the day before, right. asking you know should the Jets mortgage the future for a Stanley Cup now versus you know continued long term you know playoff yeah. runs and yeah. and and it came basically I think it was fifty two forty eight for you know stick to the long term and it, you know. So let's call it fifty-fifty, and it, it's a tough, tough decision, right? Is and and as we know, uh, there was teams uh, in the nineties uh, and two thousands, like the Detroit Red Wings, San Jose Sharks, went through are a good example of of a team who's continuously in the fight but has never broken through and won. So, you know, you have to decide what it is that you want. Well, and and the thing is too, there's no guarantees. I mean, uh, I would love to see them. Uh make a big splash and, uh, uh, you know, make a big acquisition, but there's no guarantees. And I, I kind of want to mention something that I kind of didn't have on today's topic list, but it, it's, it's a little poke at Chevy, okay? Um, he's, he's funny because our fan base, like we're sitting here, it's getting close to the deadline again, and everybody's getting all amped up, and Chevy's going to make a big trade and this and that. <laughs> Kevin Sheveldayoff is stubborn and very, very patient, and he's very loyal also. I don't see any pieces from this team being moved. I can see guys not being re-signed if they're UFAs and they get it. Their term, their time is up. It's time to go, right? 
But two of the biggest trades in Jets history really had nothing to do with Kevin Dayoff. Uh, you go back to the Kane trade, and I don't want to get back into that, but, uh, you know, Buffalo had always said, you know, if, if, if Andrew Kane or if Zach Bogosian is on the trade block, please let us know. Well, after all the crap that went on with Kane, he was still stubborn, and we weren't trading Kane. But Kane was an asset to this team, and our coaching staff and our management liked him. He was part of the long-term plan. But when push came to shove and then the, the infamous uh, you know, shower incident in Vancouver happened, they had to do something. So he was forced to make that trade, even though Kane had asked for multiple times for trade. So they make the trade with Buffalo. So that was by that was forced on him. It still probably wasn't his best choice, right? Well, yes, it was forced on him because the team said this guy can't can't be here. That's right. The team made this, but but at the same time, it's been well before that Kane expressed he wanted to be out, and yeah, and if and if he's if if the cat was out of the bag for that, which we've all suspected it to be the case, right? Like there was the general general feeling that you know even after he signed the contract with a no trade clause. Everybody thought, well, he's leaving the door open to to get moved, right? So, um, so you you still think that other teams would know that and would try to leverage it? So, yes, he had to trade him, but he did a great job of of, of trying to get value and you know, for all intents and purposes, won that trade. No, I'm not disagreeing. That 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 is true. What I'm saying, like. I don't know that he's ever big. I, this, <laughs> well, I, I always hold out faith. This might be the you know the year that he's actually really proactive. Like the Jets got it, and Chevy got a ton of credit last year for the for the Stasty trade. And then you find out well after the fact that it was Doug Armstrong that that actually contacted Kevin Chevaldeoff and said, "What do you think about this?" It wasn't like Chevy was out there hunting for him. So that's what I found funny is like uh, the big one, the, like the biggest trade and the trade that had the the most impact. You know, obviously in our playoff run and everything last year, he didn't even initiate, and he's getting a ton of credit for that. I mean, you always got to pull it off, right? Well, you got to pull it off, but he also he had also told Armstrong, you know, according to you know, Chevalier admitted this after the trade is that he had basically a standing order with yeah Armstrong that if you want to talk shop, uh, you know, want to talk about moving Stastny, then he'd be open to trying to make a deal. So. It was really a case of it's in Armstrong's court, and he now he now reciprocated the, you know, the invitation by saying yes, I'm ready to move him. So, so I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I think Chevy's done. It, it, well, he, if you take everything that you we've read, heard, and and seen, he's done a pretty good job of targeting players, and 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 I think that's the strength of this organization is there. Is their ability to target players that that are going to one fit and and drive the you know drive the agenda help contribute to to what's going on and and that's why a guy like Broussard sort of scares me because he's kind of fallen off the fallen off the map. He's you know uh, did he play with good players? Well, arguably no in Pittsburgh, and so that creates uh, a bit of a problem, I guess, uh, in terms of what you can do with your skills but at the same time um it's an interesting it's going to be an interesting trade uh, deadline because uh, of how much he's going to have to have to give up yeah well you know back to the stasty thing 
I mean, it was no secret the Jets pursued him in free agency, so that was an easy deal to make. And Doug, of course, Doug Armstrong and Chevy would have had that in their history. But, uh, you know, with Broussard, I haven't soured on him at all. I mean, if they make a deal for him, and especially if it's a, you know, a rental deal, uh, I don't sell the farm, but, you know, I wouldn't mind getting him. Broussard, to me, is still a top, top six guy, second line center. Uh, my only question is, is, I don't know that he's any better than Brian Little. Maybe he's different. I don't know if this team needs a shakeup. I mean, um, you look back, Brian Little's taking a lot of heat again now uh, from the haters that you know, him and Line are a bad mix. Line can't score with him, blah, 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 blah. Well, Line you know, they've played mostly together you know, since his time here for the most part. He gets a lot of, uh, a lot of his goals on the power play, but it's kind of funny. That uh, it was, I mean, Brian Little's having a pretty good year, but yet when Kyle Connor was on that line, uh, when, like when, Eagles, when Nick Eagles was moved up with Shifley and uh, Wheeler, so Connor did nothing for how many games? 10 games? 12, yeah. ga- 12 games? So there's something amiss on that second line. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Don't want to blame it on line A. I mean, he's, uh, you know, all this stuff. He's not playing. He's not, I don't think he's playing awful, but he's uh, he's not hitting the net and. That's another story. I think that'll work its way out. But it seems kind of funny that Brian Little's having a pretty good year offensively and defensively, but he's the problem. I don't get that. Um, because the style of game just doesn't fit, right? Like, uh, And it's not his problem. So I, I guess the rhetoric needs to sort of change in that regard, is that they're just not a fit and leave it at that. that doesn't make them bad. And, and I think, you know, you hear that uh, for sure, that, you know, he's, you know, he's, bad player bad fit is bad for the guy bad you know because they're looking at underlying stats they're looking at a variety of different things brian little is a valuable p- player to this team and would be to any team now is he uh, a true number two too inconsistent uh, from a point production perspective to ever be you know um a true number two like he, there was a time where he was put into with Atlanta as a number one and clearly he was not a number one and now that his career has moved down the line a little bit I think he's better in a three-hole spot uh, for a team that's looking to to you know get over the top and win win a championship so if we can find someone to fit that number two hole and I know we all have ideas of who that might be and you know matt duchene is a guy that would clearly fit that role and oh, yeah. his speed you know yeah, his yeah. speed the ability to to uh, dish the puck uh you know he his ability to to score and 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 feed the puck could be the right fit and and um but i think that price is way too high and and you know so it's it's a tough tough it's a tough fine so you know, might be settling on a brassard to be honest and and so long as the price is right but if we want to get over the top i think we need somebody that's going to have a little bit more impact on a night in night out basis and not someone that's going to go away for 10 games because what happens if those are the 10 games he goes away in the middle of the playoff run well you know what's you, funny? Know, you, you know that that just can't happen and i and i agree with you i mean I look at things differently, and I don't know why everything at this time of the year has to be rental players and you and you know, expiring guys. Like, um, if you're going to start floating out first round picks for guys like Broussard and that, 
Why don't you just load up the table and let's make a blockbuster? And you're right. Can you imagine Duchesne on this team with in the like, like put him in between, we'll say Connor and Ehlers, <laughs> you know, or where, where, however you want to mix up the top six, top nine. Why not let's go out and just make a pure hockey trade? Let's load it up. Let's give them what they want. Let's do a like a prospect. But what I'm saying, make a hockey trade where it's maybe like a sign-in trade, or you you. You're allowed to negotiate with the agent or talk to the agent, and let's lock them up for five years or something or you know whatever. Instead of instead of like give them, uh, you know, free agency value like like not not rental value. Give let's make a, a pure hockey trade and let's load. If this if this team is in its window to win Stanley Cups in the next few years, Duchesne's the right age to go with these guys. Why not? Why why not make a, a pure major blockbuster hockey trade? What the hell? Bring in Mark Stone too. He's a Winnipegger. Let's really go for it. I mean, these trades are tough this time of year, and I get that. But uh, I'm not I'm not a big fan of blowing a first round pick on a rental. I, well, that's the price, right? Like, and that seems to be the general consensus. Is you know the market every year? So, you know, I get a kick out of it. <laughs> You, know, you you need talking points. So, you know, TSN trade deadline when all, you know, insider trading. Well, the market has been set at a pickup player and a prospect. And, uh, and oh, wait a minute. That's the same thing year in, year out. Like, yeah. the, so there's nothing new about what it's going to cost. Um, it's, it's whether or not you're, you know, what you what you have to give up to get, get a player is whether that player is going to be able to produce. And, you know, um, and and be be a good fit, and so you know maybe Brassard is going to be a good fit. You know he's going to play with between Ehlers and Line or uh, Connor and and Line. But um, I I personally don't. You know you have to. It's a tough balance. You do have to have um, you do have to have a combination of long term and short term, and and once you're in this window because and, and maybe a, a, a pure hockey trade solves that I don't know but uh, I hate to be in Chevy's seat right now because he's agonizing over that decision probably as we speak with the conversations he's had with teams on available players yeah well you know that's that's this time of year everybody's hoping for the big block, blockbuster trade um, uh, I know I know that these guys like you know the Jets organization. They they value draft and develop, and they don't. They're they're not going to toss uh, draft picks and uh, prospects around like uh, drunken sailors. So That's I right. I kind of have faith they'll do the right thing. But uh, yeah, back on that, get back to the roster for a second. So you know, even with the injuries and everything, the Jets are sitting at you know eighteen games over five hundred at thirty four sixteen and two. And I think like I put in my article last week that. It's going to be, or maybe even last the last podcast, the, the second half is going to be tougher or post All Star break because uh, we play a lot more more home, more road games than home games. And uh, to be honest, we we haven't looked very good on the road, and our top lines haven't looked very good on the road. Now a lot of that's uh, you know we're not healthy. So Nick Ehlers and Big Buff are back any time now, and so the roster is going to be full. So let's address the first part here. Based on what we've seen during this that latest stretch, even though even though Sammy Nico started to look a little more comfortable, it's pretty obvious uh, based on his usage that uh, Paul Maurice considers him right now in the eight slot. Uh, 
Um, Buff comes back, somebody else gets bumped out, probably Moro, but he actually is playing Moro ahead of Niku. So, uh, looks like, uh, you know, Sam Niku's gotten some ice time. He's going to probably get a little bit more. And unless there's injuries, you're not going to see him. And they're getting him prepped for next year. So, uh, I agree with that 100%. I think that's been their, you know, their MO, whether you agree with Pomo or not. You need to have going into a playoff run guys with you know significant experience, and I think that's the mindset that Pomo's got, right? Like yep. If you're going to make a run, you know it's hard to make a run, and and that's part of why I think the Jets are concerned about what they've got right now on their bottom six, with respect to you know Roslovic or Appleton, Lemieux. Um, they need a, a bit of veteran presence. Uh, you know, and and to to make that run. So Niku's the odd man out, I think, and he's going back to the back to the moose. And Morrow's the you know the guy in the press box. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that uh, you mentioned veteran presence, and uh, uh, I've never been a big Andrew Cop fan. I'm gonna tell you something. I really like him as the fourth line center. I really, really do. Um, uh, to me, he's a better centerman than he is a winger. And uh, he's he's good in the face-off circle. That's something this team desperately needs. So, you know, Little's good. He's good. Lowry's good. Shifes are it's kind of kind of funny, eh? Our best player, Shifley, is our weakest link in the dot. But uh, um, you know, Appleton's getting his feet wet. The Muse getting his feet wet. So Buff and Ehlers are back. So that I mean, Patan's already in the press box of this trade room reserve. But we'll touch on that uh, in a few seconds. So right now, is it just a matter of when Ehlers comes back, he either goes with Little or with Scheif. They scramble up the bottom six. Who's the odd man out? Is it Appleton? Is it Lemieux? Or will Maurice use them based on opposition or just try to keep them all fresh and just roll them around? What do you think? I think uh, I think Appleton will likely be the one that will will go purely based on production. Lemieux's playing very nice. He's playing a nice, aggressive game. Um and uh, I just can't see that that sort of uh, mix getting you know um, taken away from the lineup and and so yeah it's going to come down to Lemieux's got goals uh, how many goals now six seven goals on the year Appleton doesn't I think that's probably where it, the line gets drawn um, and uh, but Appleton will be will be used in different scenarios and uh, they know they've got guys that can come in and play and so um, it'll to me the bigger question then becomes who is expendable amongst that group because that's where the player you know a roster player is going to come from on any deal so you know if you look at it that way that's possible for sure you know that might be might be uh you know the situation so keep playing lemieux because he might be a might be a trade target right yep keep playing him show value show value show value um so that might be part of the decision making process too so whoever comes out of the lineup might be an indicator of who's not being discussed or or who you know who's i think they're going to want to continue to show showcase players that are being either offered up uh with the exception of patan unfortunately because that theory wouldn't apply there patan's not getting in the lineup regardless uh, um at this unless there's an injury but um 
Well, that's just multiple injuries, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. As it stands right now, I mean, the, the line's been drawn on the sand there for a while. So, uh, and you know, I'm a Portland Winterhawk guy and a big Nick Piftan fan, and I try to defend him. I get it. I mean, I understand the situation. You know, Paul Maurice uh, looks at him as he should be a top six forward. So who's he going to bump out? Eh, I still say he could be a top nine forward. I think he needs to play center. Uh, on Twitter yesterday, I put out some potential lines that I would like to see. I could have, I could see him centering the, uh, I could see him centering a third line with Connor and, uh, well, you know, somebody speedy like Roslovic. Uh, give it a try, but it looks like his time is done here. And uh, sometimes it just doesn't work out. The change of scenery is the best. Well, it's, I just don't see him getting into the top top six it's not going to happen and um you know it's it's unfortunate he's a skilled player and let's hope that uh let's hope that uh you know other teams view him uh in that same way so you know you, you and he gets a he gets a chance to go somewhere else and 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 play but um which means when you think about it in those terms you're looking at a bottom half of the league that would potentially want to trade for a player like that and to upgrade their skill which you know now who's down on the bottom that would be coming back I, right? I could so you, yeah. could, you, you could go back and start looking at an ottawa again right like you know, i was i was thinking vancouver you know, and arizona, vancouver arizona maybe that's right so you, there's there's a handful of teams that got players um you know in those categories that uh, you know ottawa there, you, there's a clear um, players that are available. Um, you know, Florida for some reason seems to be making, you know, getting ready to make a big move. So I don't see them at this juncture looking Winnipeg's way. I think they got their eyes focused elsewhere. Um, you know, and you know the Rangers is what's you know Rangers have got some pieces uh, that Arizona's got some pieces, but. You know, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Patan would look good in Philadelphia. They, you know, uh, I think they could could use a little more depth. And uh, so, you know, yeah, Wayne Simmons, right? So, yeah, there's lots of places I think he could play. I guess, you know, what it what it comes down to, Daryl, is, uh, and, and here's the part that uh, I find because we're old school and we've watched certain styles of hockey. Uh, the younger guys, the newer generations, they just look at it as a one-on-one skill thing. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys, and I'll agree with them, they'll say, like, you know, like, Nick Patan is a thousand times more skilled than Brandon Tanev. Well, yes, he is, and there's no doubt about it. I mean, Patan's put up numbers at every level he's played at. He's a, you know, AHL elite player, a very good player there. But does Nick Patan work on the wing with Lowry and, and Cop? Is he going to be a guy that's going to sacrifice his body? Uh, today's hockey fan, the younger the younger generation, think that all four lines should be all you know balls to the wall scoring. I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, that'd be excellent if you could do that. Have uh, you know, never happened. It doesn't. You don't scores. win hockey games that way. Well, you don't right now. I mean, maybe ten years from now you might. You know, there's no hooking, there's no hitting. There's, I mean, guys are getting fined for tripping guys nowadays. What the hell's going on? <laughs> We've right. gone through this before, but yeah, it, it, you know, is is uh, Patan more more talented than Cop? Is he more talented than Tanov? Absolutely, he is. But is he the type of player that you want in that role? And it's it's about role. I mean, I'm sure he would do it if he was asked. But it'd be a gross waste of talent to have 
Nick Batan is a penalty killer or a shot blocker. So that's why he's not in the lineup. And I get it. I don't have to like it, but I get it. You know, is yeah. he better than Brendan Lemieux? Sure he is. But uh, that's that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, I, I feel for the guy. I, I'd love to see him get traded to a team I like, like the Coyotes, so I can still pull for him. I would pull for him anyway, just because of my loyalty to, to him. But, uh, yeah, that's another story. Um, so, like I said, Buff and Eaters should be back soon. Uh, you figure Appleton's out. I like Mason Appleton. He's uh, he's shown a lot. Has great progression. This year. I mean, he came out of nowhere and looks like a, a potential NHL player with, and I'm not talking a bottom six player. He looks like he's a guy that has potentially top nine, you know, skill and ability so nothing but good things and that's what makes me laugh about this team like you now we have all these guys everybody's in love with best aligning well where's he playing next year you know what i'm saying like we gotta well there's, there's only so many spots right so we're gonna be parting ways this uh that's why I, i'm not surprised if this trade deadline we actually see kind of a a mid-range prospect hit the road we got uh we have assets and you may as well use them I and and I I am not convinced that Veselinen is is coming back here. So uh, there's some something you know you just get this feel because why wouldn't he stay here and, and learn the NHL game? You know, um, learn the North American game, be engaged in it, close to the team, guaranteed call up, all of these different scenarios. And he's he's playing well, but he's he's not going to. It's just different hockey, and so. I wouldn't, it would not, and I would have no issue if he was, you know, if he was asked for and in a, in a quality trade. Now, I'm not just a, yeah, yeah. a no throw in type of, you know, scenario, right? Right. But if you're getting a quality player back that's got a little bit of term on it, he's got some, you know, where you can fit him into the, into the cap and, and, and is going to be an impact player. Um, you know, I have no issue sending sending him down the road, uh, and you know because it, you do have to pay pay a price to get to make deals happen. So, he, his name, even though he's not going to be here this year, his name's going to be well well talked about um, through the trade deadline. Well, I'm pretty sure, and it's already been reported a few times that uh, the most asked about name right now is Jack Roslovic, and uh, Christian Veselinen's name will be up there too. I think with that in Veselinen's case. Um, I know you take it a little more seriously than I do. My take on it is is that you know what, if uh, if it wasn't for the fact that his home his hometown team owned his rights, I think that's the only reason he ended up going to the KHL this year. Everybody forgets that the Continental Hockey League has has a couple franchises in Finland, one one for sure. Well, Tampa the one he's in, maybe another one. So I think it was uh, the circumstances and the, that opportunity that led to that. So. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it either, for all, this, all the reasons you stated. It just doesn't make any sense. But I guess he'd rather be a you know a top dog on that team, play top six minutes for a year, than uh, play in the American Hockey League. And uh, ultimately, uh, that was the choice that was made, and that was the deal that Chevy made in, in, with his agent. And that. so I guess we can't complain about it. But uh, I guess you know, in the Jets' mind, they're pretty smart too. They probably never even thought had him penciled in. Like a lot of hockey fans were drooling already, thinking he's going to be playing, but they they look at him probably still a year or two away. So uh, no, no, I figured no harm, no foul, no big deal there. <laughs> um, what do you think of the Anaheim game yesterday? Nine three. 
<laughs> uh, the Jets played, you know, it was a combination of, you know, Anaheim not being game ready uh, after their long break and the Jets being ready to play. You know, they know that Anaheim gives them trouble, generally speaking, uh, you know, in the past and, and, and losing 4 nothing to them in the playoffs a few years back. I think still has um, has meaning for them in the in the dressing room, the Jets' yeah. dressing room. Yeah, I, I I still think some of the you know the the Wheelers and uh, that were were part of that buff, etc. They, you know, that it, it's a, a game they get up for. And regardless of the fact that Anaheim is sitting in twenty fourth in the league and you know looking like uh, you know they got a great goaltender in, in Gibson and they know that they got to come ready to play and. So between those two two factors, that's why it was nine goals against, right? Like uh, the Jets were ready, Anaheim wasn't. They get lit up pretty hard in the first period, and it kind of reminded us a little bit of the way the Jets played last year, where they get on a team, they're up three nothing after one, and the lights are basically uh, you know getting shut off because the game's over. Um, so it was it was a perfect perfect scenario i guess in that sense but you know <laughs> i was in i was i was engaging on twitter a little bit last night with scott and and, and i said boy you know pomo sure knows how to play the play the media in terms of of you know setting up the game and you know that game and maybe that was part of the the mental game that was being played in the dressing room is you know uh, but he sure didn't expect, uh, you know, he expected a Boston game and, and the guys were ready because they had the right mindset. So did Pomo pull the right strings with the with the guys? Well, maybe. But he sure set that that game up differently than the way it turned out. And uh, so... Well, nice it's, surprise. It's, yeah. it's good. It's good to see, uh, especially at home, us get, you know, putting up nine nine goals. You know, still gave up three, which uh, you know, it's, Anaheim was going to have a pushback there. And there's no two ways about it. But it's never a bad thing when you're scoring nine goals. Well, you know what's funny is, uh, you know, I've always been like this from, and I go back to the WHA days. I come home from the game, and my parents would say, like, "How was the game?" And I go, "Oh, it was awesome. Jets smoked them seven two. And they go, "Oh, that doesn't sound like that was a very good game." I mean. Yes, there are games, those overtime games when you win them. After everything's said and done, yeah, that was exciting. It was thrilling. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm a big fan of routes. I love watching visiting teams get lit up. And you sit there and you can relax and just enjoy the game. And, you know, you look at your fantasy guys and hope they get points in that. Uh, I've never been to... I'm a... I'm not a, I'm not big on the edge of your seat type games. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, but that's just me. I mean, and I get it. It's the entertainment value is not as good, but you know what? I like routes. Well, but think about where all the goals came from, too, right? So, from that perspective, it 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 captured your imagination. It captured your your attention. And when Lemieux is scoring and Roslovic scores three, and you know, little quietly gets two. You know, yeah. it's. The guys, you know, um, the guys that, uh, you know, typically are not scoring, cop scores, you know, to get things rolling, right? Like, those, the bottom six did their job last night to, and pushed the team to, to another level, right? So it's, you know, it shows the potential of that bottom six without a doubt. Yeah, anytime, Gerald, you want. But that's, you know, that's, 
Go Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, anytime you look at a scoreboard and you see a route on any given night in the NHL and you look at the, the score sheet, the only way you get routes is when, the, you know, three or four lines are contributing. That's to your point. I was sort of, sort yeah. of put in there, but that's the point you were making. Yeah, it's it's... Uh... It's it was phenomenal for me. That was the fun part of that game was watching the bottom six uh, light it up. Jack Roslovic has scored four goals in the last few games, and he still hasn't done bugger all five five. It's kind well, of funny. Eh? All those all his goals just just happened to be on the power play, and uh, yeah, that was nice watching him rifle a few of those in yesterday. Um, just before we wrap up with a couple questions, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a second, but. Uh, I'm not uh, overly stressed out or panicked about Patrick Liney. I can't explain it, but uh, I'm not going to fret over it either. What, what are your thoughts on it? Just sit back and wait, and or you know, what can you, outside of maybe I don't know why Paul Maurice maybe hasn't just fired him up on the top line for a bit with Wheeler and Shife. He's done everything else, but uh, you know, outside of that, I'm not overly worried. What about you? I think his play is not very good. You know, the coach will will tell you the good story, but. You know, he seems less engaged. Uh, the only time we saw him last night, for all intents and purposes, when he was on the power play, and and you know, uh, I think he's going through a bit of a you know a tough mental grind right now, and that's the part that you got to be the most concerned is where's his head at? Um, you know, he's not scoring goals from his 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 spot, and you know he's. It's not like the shot has gone away. He's still letting it go. But when you're predictable and all of those things, uh, that's that first line is, you know, they're shutting Wheeler down and and on the power play, and therefore, Liney is getting less and less chances to see the puck, right? And so, you miss Buff in that scenario because we're not moving the puck fast enough. So on the when it comes to the power play, the quickness in the power play is resulting in less chances for Liney, right? So. As long as his head's in the right space to understand that and see what's going on, that you know it's it's not about him in the in, on the power play, but on five on five it is about him, and he's not as engaged. Uh, you know he worked hard there in the Columbus game for a couple of shifts and 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 showed a little grit and and if he can get his you know make sure that his head's still in the right space, he will work out of it. He's yeah, but at the same time, he's got to engage more. You know, he's got to get. He's he's not a driver type of a player, in the sense that we we equate a driver in today's NHL. But he's got to become more engaged, and and his skating. You know, these big loopy. You know, big loopy on on the turnovers inside the blue line and the pucks going the other way. Well, it's a big loop for him, right? Yeah. He, there's no stop and st- stop and start, um, you know, skating. And I think that's an, him and Ehlers need to learn that that part of their game. And Ehlers does it far less. Uh, his skating skills are just, you know, world class in that sense. But in the case of Line, he has to learn that this big loopy, long stride loopy, you know, back check. That's not going to cut it. You're never going to get back in the play, and it's stop and start, right? Like. So, you know, maybe his skating stride, maybe, you know, something to work on in the next offseason is going to need to be part of his focus. Uh, but as of right now, he's just got to get more engaged. It's it just – and if he does, he will easily get out of this, right? Yeah, I, I agree, too. And I, I think he's been a lot better lately. He went through a stretch there. And you know what it is probably, too, Daryl, like you say, a lot of it's mental because maybe – 
you know, maybe he perceives or thinks he's working or doing what he's supposed to do, and uh, it's just not there every shift or every. And you know what? And in fairness, you know, as a big guy, I can relate. You know, at times it looks like he's not trying because he has that that big stride and that. So I'm, you know, I haven't. Uh, I mean, you don't score what how he scored without figuring it out. Yes, uh, you at you know you had to figure us teams were going to game plan on him, and it's just about him and his line mates to figure it out. You know he's not in the right space because on every every time he gets the puck at our blue line and he makes a rush, it's a solo rush. There's no give and goes. There's no creativity in his game that will ha- that would ultimately help him get open or have a cleaner look. It's whenever he gets rushed, it's all they do is congest the guy. They just choke him out, right? Yeah. So his game has got has got to uh, to involve his players more, right? Yeah, you know, nice, it, but I see that with our, all the wingers. When we've discussed this, that's just today's game because I think that Kyle Connor struggles as much as anybody with that. They all do. It's it's tough, and sure. you know, maybe it's communication on the ice too with the line mates, and maybe. Uh, that's maybe that's where Stastny and Nick Ehlers were good for him last year. But you know we got to wrap it up here, Daryl. Before we yep. go, uh, you know we got New England and LA today. Um, I'm not a fan of either team, uh, but I'll probably watch a good chunk of the game. And that, uh, uh, what do you have for a prediction today? First of all, who you, are you are you actually hoping for anybody, or are you just gonna watch it and enjoy it for the football sake? Or? Well, I'm, I've got some time to kill. I'm out on the road uh, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So um, from that perspective, I've got time to kill this evening. So I will likely watch the football game. Uh, I do want to see the Pats win. And um, and I know there's uh, Pats haters galore. But listen, these guys are... I mean, what the Pats are doing is historical. It's... Uh, you know, it's like the Oilers dynasty of the '80s, the Islanders. Like, I like seeing those types of um, runs, and and they are the best at what they are. Uh, you know, in terms of Belichick and and Brady. So, I'm 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 all for the Pats because I want to hear that story go. You know, I want to see guys like that go down in history as the best that ever was, in in their positions or or and and as a team because. I mean, the Pats have it's been plug and play everywhere else in their lineup for how many years? But the constant is they keep winning with a quarterback and a coach that are just outstanding. So I'm all in for the Pats. And by how many? Uh, this will be a tight football game. So uh, let's say last uh, three points. I got the Rams by ten, buddy. Oh boy, you're you're going for you know what? And it could very. Yeah, 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 I, this has got this has been set up as a tight tight football yep. game, and 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 yep. it could very well be the opposite. So one or the other is going to maybe blow it out by seventeen. Like watch, like you know. <laughs> I like I like the Rams defense, and I think that they're going to give uh, that offensive line and Brady a handful. But uh, it'll be interesting, and like I say, it could be historical. Um, so we'll wrap it up and get back at our next week. Uh, to all our listeners, you know where you can find us. WinnipegHockeyTalk.com. Just check the uh, podcast tab. Uh, Stitcher, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, uh, uh, Anchor FM, we, we're, we're on there too, so yeah, wherever there's podcast, you'll probably find us, find us, so um, another week in the books, another week to go, and we'll catch up with uh, our listeners next week, uh, Daryl, thanks for joining me, uh, get home safe and soon. Thanks very much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.